Hello and welcome to JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. I'm Meera Chandan, co-head of FX Strategy at JP Morgan. And I'm joined today by James Nelligan and uh, Patrick Locke, uh, my colleagues from uh, the FX Strategy Group. This is the last, last uh, podcast for the year um, as we head into the holidays. So happy new year in advance uh, to everybody who's listening. Uh, but there is um, a lot to talk about. FX markets have been actually incredibly um, active going into the end of the year. We've had um, obviously the Fed um, this week, but also various European central banks. We've had uh, various other data surprises as well. For instance, the flash PMIs today, uh, which were quite troublesome for Eurozone. Um, and uh, we had earlier in the week, the US inflation print, which actually showed that services inflation is running quite firm. And um, and now we have the BOJ next week, so it's not quite over. So there's a lot to unpack, but um, let's start with the central banks first. So Pat, what was striking to you about the Fed yesterday, um, and what does this mean for the dollar going forward? Yeah, thanks, Mira. I mean, really, it was striking kind of up and down the board um, from the beginning of the meeting all the way to the end of it. Um, you know, starting with kind of like a tweak to the forward guidance that wasn't necessarily expected. You had some pretty material changes to the SEP forecasts. Um, as you note in the outlook this week, I mean, there was a pretty decent markdown in core inflation projections that fed through into a pretty decent, um, you know, downsizing of the dots future f- further out the curve. Um, you know, these things don't tend to happen kind of um, on their own. They tend to be kind of, you know, staggered processes that continue. So we you know, basically can expect perhaps more of those revisions in the future. Um, and then finally, I mean, the press conference was very dovish. Um, we weren't sure if Powell would explicitly acknowledge kind of what Chris Waller had introduced a couple of weeks back, which was, you know, potential conditions for easing. Basically, Powell did intimate that they had been discussing that um, at the uh, at the FOMC this week. So altogether, I mean, it was just generally speaking, very, very dovish. Um, in terms of what it means for the dollar, um, I would I would try to maybe separate kind of like the tactical implications from kind of the more strategic dollar implications. And I mean, understandably, the dollar got hit hard this week. Um, That was one of the biggest rates repricings that we've had this cycle um, on the FOMC decision. The two-year OIS was down almost 25 basis points um, on the day. And understandably, you know, uh, the dollar sold off on a broad basis on the back of that as it lost um, some of its rates advantage. Um, but looking forward, I mean, there's a couple of reasons to think that, you know, the Fed alone isn't necessarily going to continue uh, driving dollar weakness from here. I mean, first of all, you look what what's priced into the curve. We have about 150 basis points priced in, you know, by the end of next year. Obviously, that's pretty aggressive. It's also aggressive given the fact that, you know, the Fed itself has come out today starting to push back a little bit on what the market is, you know, basically the way the market responded after the FOMC meeting on Wednesday. Um, so pouring a little bit of cold water there. Um, and at the end of the day, you're going to need the, de- the data to validate and that kind of that aggressive, you know, rates pricing. Uh, we're generally expecting, you know, fourth quarter to average about a 2% annualized run rate in GDP. Um, core inflation, as you note, is coming down, but there are still signs of, you know, some pockets of stickiness. Uh, so you really need kind of more of that kind of benign, uh, general soft landing Goldilocks scenario um, to potentially validate that pricing. Um, and in the meantime, it's going to basically going to be much harder, I think, uh, to reprice the dollar much weaker just based on rates alone, given that. Um, and second point I would make, and, um, you know, we'll talk about this more in a second um, with you guys. Uh, 
But, you know, we, we generally expect the other central banks to fall in line as well. Um, so even though there was a little bit of a dichotomy tactically this week in terms of how dovish the Fed was versus how less dovish or more hawkish the ECB was, perhaps the BOE as well, generally speaking, we're still expecting kind of a coordinated, synchronized easing throughout 2024. And so long as that's the case, um, you know, the dollar shouldn't lose an especially large amount of its rate advantage. Um, we'll discuss kind of where and how that might be the case in, in different pockets of FX. Um, but generally speaking, this isn't the Fed necessarily acting in isolation. Maybe it was this week, but from a broader perspective, we don't really think that's the case. So as ever, um, we'll look for kind of, you know, global growth to be the arbiter of whether and how much the dollar should soften from here. Otherwise, I would expect it generally um, to consolidate a little bit. Um, so with that, maybe, Bear, uh, I'll pass it back to you. Um, you know, what did you think generally about the ECB? I think they probably just, they probably surprised a little bit hawkishly also given kind of, you know, what the Fed uh, delivered this week. But, um, you know, you make the note about the data really does matter there. And we got the PMIs this week. So how are you thinking about the ECB from here? Yeah, thanks, Pat. And I think it's uh, very much, uh, you know, what you said that the Fed's not going to be acting in isolation. And, and while Lagarde did take a very uh, firm stance on inflation, given their uh, single uh, mandate, um, I think um, I think the market had a hard time buying it. Yes, we did get a euro dollar pop higher that day, but if you look at actually the market pricing for the ECB for 2024, I think prior to the meeting we had 160 basis points of cuts priced in for 2024, and after Lagarde was done, we had. Uh, only 10 basis points less, so 150 basis points of cuts still priced in for the ECB for next year. So it wasn't really, um, you know, uh, you know what Lagarde said, um, I think wasn't really transformative as far as the euro is concerned. Uh, I think it was really the fact that Powell was so eager to take on such a dovish stance that really ended up being the surprise for euro dollar. But um, to me, at the end of the day, you know, central bank speak will only be a credible driver for currencies if it's corroborated by the data or if it's not excessively priced. And this is where, you know, as, as you said, you know, for the Fed, we're going to have to wait and see if U.S. inflation as well as employment data is going to be consistent with Powell's tone. And similarly, to me, the key question was, are the PMIs today going to show uh, a consistency of improvement with Lagarde's excessively hawkish tone? And uh, the answer to that was it was not. I think of all the central banks, um, um, that we got this week, probably ECB's hawkish stance was the least credible one, given that the region is actually flirting with the recession and that that was followed up with yet another soft PMI print, which showed um, that um, that um, growth uh, regionally is, um, is still probably in slightly negative territory. So um, at the end of the day, uh, this really shouldn't be a game changer for our baseline view, which is Euro is better treated as a funder. It's not a recovery candidate. Uh, and uh, that is, I think, following the PMI today, we continue to stick with that. Obviously, euro dollar is not going to be just driven by the European growth story. There's a push and pull factor here. That is the European growth story, which is pulling euro down. But there's also the U.S. inflation story and the Fed story, which is which is preventing um, euro dollar from going down. Um, so with that push and pull, you know, clearly things like euro Swiss or euro on crosses is perhaps uh, the better way to go. But certainly in our view, euro firmly remains a funder rather than a recovery candidate. 
Um, but let's let's talk about the other central banks um, in Europe as well. Um, James, uh, if I can turn to you now, uh, which European central banks uh, make you want to change your pre-existing view on the underlying currency? Sure, thanks, Mira. Um, it's it's non really uh, to to answer the question, but uh, yeah, obviously a, a very busy uh, week with central banks, uh, Bank of England, Norges Bank, S and B. Uh, this week, uh, so with Bank of England, we we didn't really learn a, a whole not a whole lot new. Uh, the the vote was slightly more hawkish than expected, um, and the court called a good core guidance pretty much unchanged around uh, restrictive policy, inflation persistence. But uh, really, for the currency, for for sterling, to echo your comments, Mira, it's it's more that the data that matters here rather than uh, Bank of England necessarily. So. Uh, we did get some a better UK composite PMI today, but I think that the GDP miss and the labour market data miss earlier in the week was, was potentially more important here. And um, our UK economist has, has revised down Q4 growth from from one percent annualised to zero, and he, he sees potential for for a dovish guidance shift from the Bank of England early next year. So uh, we've still got a, a bearish sterling bias. Uh, clearly, uh, the FX market will be uh, we're sensitive to it to any guidance shift uh, as we as we come back from holidays and in, in into uh, Q1 next year. Uh, looking at euro sterling, that that overshot rate spreads to the downside as the ECB was repriced. Uh, so fair value fair value is now more more up around the 87 level, and that the real key for sterling over the short term here is is the UK inflation print next week. Um, if Bank of England is going to start to look a bit less of an outlier uh, compared to uh, the Fed and the ECB. Uh, for Norges Bank, you, you had a, a big surprise hike um, from them. It was only around one one basis point priced into the meeting going into it. So understandably, Nokia was a, was a lot stronger on that. Um, but we're, we're cautious on chasing that move here. It feels, feels a bit more like a policy mistake to us with uh, the central bank hiking into, into slower growth um currency the currency was clearly a, a big motivation for the surprise hike but um you know by taking more of a of a one and done type approach you're you're left with slowing growth and and weaker terms of trade you know as commodity prices have come down so it's not clear to us that that's going to solve the problems for norges bank and um, we're keeping a, a, a tactical bearish bias on on noki uh, finally, for the SMB, uh, that, so they they removed uh, guidance around um, future policy tightening and uh, the focus on selling FX, which is clearly clearly a dovish uh, shift from them. Uh, Swiss was kind of understandably weaker on on the knee jerk reaction, but but not excessively so, I'd, I'd say. And uh, the guidance around willingness to remain active in the FX market was was kept. Uh, this is again a move in the currency that we're we're reluctant to chase here, really, because. You know, even if the S&B do stop buying francs, you, you still have a pretty positive net flow picture from the balance of payments surplus. And you still got safe haven flows coming to Swiss. So we, we saw the the uh, soft European PMI data today. Uh, and add to that, you've got you've got some pretty positive seasonality for Swiss here as we head into the end of the year. So uh, we're more of a mind to uh, to keep the bullish uh, Swiss stance for now. Thanks, James. So there are two more um, issues that are probably worth talking about here. Uh, the first one is around BOJ. The central bank talk is not really complete if we don't address the BOJ that's uh, that's on the calendar. 
uh, for next week. Uh, in a nutshell, we are expecting the BOJ to keep policy settings uh, unchanged uh, for next week. Um, our local strategists think um, that this uh, outcome is largely priced in. So dollar yen's reaction function um, itself um, to, to basically no policy changes should be fairly limited. But it's really the focus um, is really going to be around communication from UADA, um, you know, and and um, that that's going to be based around the signals we get on the timing of the NERP exit, as well as the speed of any rate hikes thereafter. Uh, for the timing of NERP exit, uh, clearly the market expectations uh, for January, uh, you know, got stoked after uh, Governor Ueda's recent comments. Uh, so if you get more uh, fodder on that front, it could lead to uh, certainly to more dollar yen downside. Um, I think disappointments could be a slight short-term issue, but with dollar yen overshooting, I don't really you know think that um, there's going to be uh, sort of much uh, topside on that. Um, at the end of the day, dollar yen is going to be more about the Fed and the U.S. What U.S. yields are doing, rather than um, rather than what the Bank of Japan does. So, um, you know, unless unless we get worrying uh, data uh, from the U.S., which seriously challenges uh, Chair Powell, um, I think it's going to be hard to see a reversal in dollar yen. So it's going to be really more about U.S. yields than than about the Bank of Japan. Um, the second issue is really how does um, what the Fed did this week and how what the other central banks did this week, how does it come together for broadly for currencies um, and um, and for the dollar? I think as I'm thinking about um, the transmission channels of a dovish Fed to currencies, I think there are two channels. Uh, the first one is through um, a U.S. yield um, erosion versus the rest of the world, which Patrick's spoken about already. And if that is realized, uh, you know, certainly the dollar should be weakening. Um, although, you know, Patrick's talked about how um, the fact that growth and yields themselves are challenged outside of the U.S. and the fact that we're seeing a synchronized cutting cycle is really going to challenge this uh, weaker dollar view, which is why we're shying away from chasing the dollar weaker here, unless it's specifically in relation to dollar yen or something like that. Uh, but the bigger theme in my mind really is that the Fed, um, a more a more dovish stance from the Fed becomes a trigger for a global uh, a synchronized cutting cycle and uh, results in a global yield compression because the high yielders can cut rates um, at a quicker clip than the lower yielding currencies. Uh, in fact, this was our central theme uh, for FX going into 2024 that we outlined in the year ahead outlook about uh, a month ago. Uh, but the idea here is that as this yield compression happens, FX carry, which has been the dominant theme for currencies in the last couple of years, should start to become a narrower and narrower theme. Uh, it should start to pave the way for a recovery uh, in some of the funders that look quite cheap now. And uh, what's interesting is that what we've seen in the last six weeks has given us a bit of a insight into what such yield compression might look like. And uh, we're finding that our original thesis around carry is actually panning out. Uh, recent price action has been consistent with this thesis. Carry baskets have delivered negative returns in the past six weeks as US yields have fallen. And also this week as uh, Powell turned more, um, uh, more dovish. So certainly, uh, you know, it has legs to it. And what we're finding is that the funders are doing better. Uh, so our preferred funders, as we've been highlighting, have been uh, sort of, an, and we've been expressing a bullish bias on, uh, which continues to be the case uh, within G10, are Australia, uh, Stocky, um, the Japanese yen, and Swiss as well. All of these, we have a bullish bias on around this theme.
But yield compression certainly seems like uh, will be the dominant theme as we're getting into 2024 and uh, something to keep in mind as uh, we celebrate uh, going into the new year. For additional research, please take a look at uh, jpmorganmarkets.com and uh, looking forward to talking to you in the new year. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023 JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on December 15, 2023.